Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. To some, he's a god of brain surgery, a doctor willing to push the boundaries to save lives. To others, he's a risk taker who goes too far. This week, Charlie Teo has been appearing before a medical disciplinary commission in relation to the death of two of his patients. Today, we speak to journalist Isabel Rowe, who's been covering the hearings, and we delve back into Charlie Teo's past. Isabel, Charlie Teo is a name that many Australians would have known well before the past two weeks when he's been appearing at a medical disciplinary hearing. Will you be giving evidence today? No, unfortunately, I don't have my say until Monday next week. He's sort of a big name, isn't he? He's Australia's best-known neurosurgeon, Sam. And in fact, if you ask him, he'll tell you he is the best neurosurgeon in Australia, particularly in special parts of brain stem tumour surgery. I perform surgeries that other surgeons can't or aren't prepared to do. He was seen to be instrumental in the development of keyhole neurosurgery, and he's got a huge amount of publicity. Charlie Teo loves an audience. Australia's most high-profile brain surgeon is passionate about his work in the operating There are many other surgeons in Australia, though, who see him as a bit of a cowboy, someone who sort of pushes the boundaries of brain surgery. But he would say he pushes those boundaries for the right reasons. There's two ways of accepting me. One way is to say he's lying about his results, he's cavalier, he's a terrible person, we've got to destroy him. Or the other way is to say, oh my God, he's doing something different. He's getting good results, and we're going to have to upskill now. He's a big deal. He had a huge following. And Isabel, many supporters you witnessed uh, were outside those hearings this week. Yes, he had rallied supporters to come and see him into these hearings every day. So many of these supporters and the former patients that I spoke to have the same story. They had a brain tumour that another surgeon had told them was inoperable. They'd heard about Charlie Teo. They went to him as a last resort and he operated on them. Yeah, so um, Charlie saved our son's life in late 2020. And these patients clamoured to touch him when he arrived. You know, they said, do you remember me, Charlie? It was like a Hollywood celebrity. Good friend. I know him. I love you, mate. Okay, so Charlie Teo, he saved many lives, and I don't think anyone is disputing that. But tell me about this disciplinary hearing. What's being alleged? What's it all about? So this is the lowest level of disciplinary hearing as a medical practitioner. It's run by the New South Wales Medical Board, and it's dealing with two complaints that have been made to the Healthcare Complaints Commission, and it relates to the deaths of two women, one woman in her 40s from Perth, and the other woman in her 60s from Geelong. Their original surgeons deemed that their tumours were inoperable and they both then went to Charlie Teo. And it's alleged that Dr Teo basically failed to properly explain to both these women and their families about the extreme risks that surgery would pose. The hearing heard he told one woman, if you don't have surgery by Tuesday, you'll be effing dead by Friday. 
But the woman's husband, who gave evidence, insisted that Dr. Teo didn't warn about the risk of dying. He said he warned about possible paralysis and memory loss, and that was it. The woman felt an urgent need to have surgery with Dr. Teo, though. Her husband said that she watched YouTube videos of him every day, that, that she thought he was God. The husband of the second woman uh, took contemporaneous notes during their meeting with Charlie Teo pre-surgery, and he recorded the doctor saying that there would be a 5% risk of death, and they considered that to be a low risk. Neither of those women woke after surgery. And Isabel, what does Charlie Teo say about this? He's already under some temporary restrictions. That means he has to have written support from a neurosurgeon with 20 years experience to perform certain types of brain surgery in Australia. But what's he been saying during during these hearings? Well, he's been speaking to the media basically every morning outside the hearing, so on his way in. And He told the media one day that the husband of one of these women had been coerced and hoodwinked into making these complaints at the urging of an unidentified doctor arrival in the medical profession. He didn't really want to do that. I mean, he's a lovely man. I do. I feel like they've been coerced. I feel like they've been uh, hoodwinked. He also argued that for him, a 5% risk of death was high because he said that the outcomes from standard brain tumour surgery that he does was a death percentage of 0.12%. He says he'll, you know, he'd do these operations again, perhaps he might adjust his technique, but he did make one admission. In relation to the second woman, he admitted he probably did make a mistake in taking out too much of that woman's brain. He told the hearing that he cut too much that he cut out the wrong bit of the woman's brain and that since then he has reflected and that he's learned from it. Unfortunately, you have to damage normal brain to achieve your goal. And uh, clearly that's what I did. I damaged normal brain and uh, the outcome was... Other neurosurgeons also gave evidence. So what were they saying? What was their view? So there were three neurosurgeons that were asked or called as witnesses. They had sort of differing opinions on a lot of things, but they agreed that Dr. Teo is a really skilled surgeon. What is the issue for them is a lack of judgment, perhaps, and whether the risks are fully explained to the patient. Because mm, you mentioned that 5% figure that he, Dr. Teo says he thinks 5% is a high risk of death, but a patient, I guess, might consider 5% to be quite a low percentage in terms of death. So at the heart of this case, Isabel, it's really whether the patients and their families knew what they were consenting to. That's right. Whether they were cognizant of of the actual risks before they agreed to the surgery, the risks that meant other surgeons weren't prepared to do those surgeries. Simon Chapman. I'm an Emeritus Professor of Public Health at the University of Sydney. Simon Chapman, Charlie Teo, he's a big name. In 2015 at the Opera House, he presented a TEDx talk and you went along to that. What's your recollection of that address? It was the concert hall of the Opera House. It was absolutely fully packed. Thank you. And he gave a presentation called There's No Such Thing as False Hope. 
He took the audience through three case studies of desperately ill patients who had uh, brain uh, cancers, and two of them were children, and they were all had been told that they were so-called inoperable. One of them was a, a mother who really wanted her daughter to have one more Christmas, and that operation went ahead, but sadly the child died before Christmas. And another one was a, a quadriplegic woman quadriplegic because of her brain cancer. But that photo was taken 10 years after the surgery. Today she's still alive and well, and she came to thank me for allowing her to see her teenage daughters grow to adulthood. And uh, she lived for another 10 years. And there was another one, but I think critically, he didn't present any data on all of the surgeries he'd performed on so-called hopeless cases, just these three very emotional cases. And I hope I wasn't the only person in the Opera House that day who was wanting to get a what we might call a helicopter view of what the fate of all his hopeless case surgeries were. I mean, we, he, he gave us the three examples. You know, how many had died very soon afterwards, as medical opinion perhaps would have predicted, what, what was the average survival time of those who, who lived um, for some time afterwards? And what about the quality of life of those who'd lived on for months or even years? Where can people find out information about surgical outcomes of particular surgeons, you know, like Charlie Teo? And why do we think that it's, it's good enough for, for them to just take their, for us to take their own assessment of themselves as all we need to know? False hope? There's no such thing. Thank you. At the end of that TEDx talk, of course, he received a rather long-standing ovation. Look, he did. I, I didn't join everybody by standing up because I was, I was rather stunned that um, I thought it was very interesting that the TEDx audience, almost to a person, they, they stood up. And I just thought, you know, that is the power of... Um, case studies often, and case studies in medicine are really at the very bottom of the evidence pyramid. You know, you don't proceed to, to sort of generalise about what's good and bad medical procedures by, by talking about case studies. You know, you talk about large studies, about large number of patients with, with appropriate comparison groups and things like that. The obvious question we need to ask here is that why is it that leading surgeons uh, seem to agree that certain brain surgeries should generally be not, not be performed, but Charlie Teo disagrees. And I think that is the question that this Health Complaints Commission hearing will, will find unavoidable when it reaches its conclusions. Mm, and you have another story about Charlie Teo too, which dates back before the TEDx talk in 2011. I'm in a, well, not anymore, but I was in a, a rock covers band. Mm -hmm. And um, in 2011, we donated our services to a cancer fundraiser. And uh, in amongst uh, all the things that you could bid for at the auction was uh, an opportunity to attend and view an operation being f performed by Charlie Teo. Now, when that popped up, I and two members of our band, our jaws nearly hit the floor, you know. 
I mean, you're used to seeing sports sports stars who will offer things like games of golf or tennis or musicians will give, you know, backstage passes. Or a dinner out. Yeah, that sort of thing. So um, I'll, I'll make the assumption that Charlie Teo did get ethics clearance to do that. But even if he did, it's a huge, there are huge ethical issues arising here. Ethics clearance as in the patient agreed yeah, that someone it, could come and watch the that, surgery. That's right. Ethics committees would say, well, is there any form of coercion involved here? What is the, what is the quality of the consent? So here, in this case, we've got a surgeon whose skills may literally mean the difference between life and death. And, and it really invites, I think, very ser serious questions about what the consequences of turning down a surgeon's request. And, you know, I just feel uncomfortable about it. You know, a patient in that sort of situation may feel some pressure, you know, to sort of agree to, to do it. Mm. And this goes back, I guess, to this disciplinary hearing that Charlie Teo is appearing before in terms of consent and whether patients really knew what they were consenting to. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm loath to, to comment on the proceedings because obviously they're in, still in process. The report hasn't been issued. But it's a, it's a, the fact that it is there being, being held in front of the Health Complaints Commission shows that it's by no, no means unproblematic. You know, it's something that is receiving really the highest attention that it should be receiving. And uh, I think it'll be a very important uh, finding when it comes out. Simon Chapman is an emeritus professor in public health at the University of Sydney. Isabel Rowe is an ABC journalist. The hearings will resume with cross-examinations of Charlie Teo in March. In relation to the charity prize that allowed the winner to watch a brain surgery take place, Dr Teo has previously said he did not approach the patient himself, but had someone else from the hospital do so on his behalf so they could easily say no. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Sydney Peed, Chris Dengate and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again on Monday. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.